Welcome to another Hello. edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. Okay. <laughs> still, still not professional enough as a group to get through the literal I first mean, sentence of the show. It's our bit now. Now it would be unprofessional if we ignored it. Maybe. Inconsistency of the work of amateurs. We have a thing, we do the thing. So this, this is the Above the Law podcast. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by Catherine and Chris. We are going to talk about some of the top stories of the week that was in the legal universe, as we usually do. That said, we also usually, because this is all about, you know, standard practice, I guess, is what everyone's <laughs> telling me. So we also usually begin with a little segment that we call small talk. Small talk. That we, that we <laughs> signal in, that we bring in with a bit of fanfare. That's true. See, and I don't even get mad anymore that you wait till I speak before you play the fanfare because you like to interrupt me specifically. No, that's not true at all. I just I just mm. hit it when small talk begins. The fact that you try to start small talk before the official announcement is your own fault. So I should just wait dead air style. So for... that I can play the sound effect and then we can move mm. on properly. Mm. In Joe's defense, I do feel like he's an equal opportunity interrupter. You know, <laughs> that's all so who wants to talk about their weekend mine was exhausting that's all i, I just I, i'm really busy these days i see no light at the end of said tunnel of busyness either so it was really unpleasant but uh what about uh, everybody else you always bring well, the joy I joe yeah, I know. <laughs> he he really deserves like some Eeyore vibes over here <laughs> these days. Oh, Turley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bother. Uh, I was also busy. I actually had my baby shower this weekend. Okay. Um, woo. Uh, so, yeah, having a baby pretty soon. And my mom's sister and childhood best friend. Um, and mother-in-law threw me a fantastic baby shower. It looks like my house threw up orange because the theme was <laughs> welcome cutie, like cutie oranges, uh, which is super adorable for sure. But there is a lot of orange still <laughs> in my house, which I'm not opposed to, but I may have to temporarily at least root for the Mets. So this all makes sense. <laughs> I, th I thought you were telling us you were leaving above the law to join Reuters with this amount of orange <laughs> theming than your video here. See, I, I think of relativity. I think when I see all these orange oh, circles yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Let's bring it back to legal tech, you guys. <laughs> yeah, we should see if relativity wants to sponsor you. Uh, <laughs> well, make you... I have the paraphernalia for it. There we is go. That's what I'm saying. Uh, how about you, Chris? What'd you do this weekend? You know, so I'm having that thing where I uh, don't remember if I've ever lived a life. Oh, I did a thing. So um, <laughs> here's the thing. I celebrated uh, Kamai New Year. So Happy New Year. Right? So there, the so in Cambodia, the New Year celebration is like three days long. And um, you know how the it's funny thinking about time in different cultures. So in the in in the States, the year is twenty twenty three. AD because yeah because Jesus's parent like death was the um, starting no, point. That is not true. When he came That's back. not how that works. Yeah, no. I thought it, it was at it, Anno Domine, the day of our Lord. I thought it was 
Right. Yeah, yeah. That, theoretically, that was a bad calculation of his birth, which was incorrect because he was would have been... In March know, or something. All the other things. No, it would have been in negative four. It would have been in four but BC. But the intention but had been originally to do it off of the birth of off Christ. Off of birth, yes. Not the death of Christ. Correct. Okay. Anyway, it's Jesus anchored. We get it. So <laughs> Cambodia, <laughs> uh, Cambodia is a Buddhist Less country. Jesus so anchored. Uh, okay. Yes, yes. It's more, more, more mm, than Anno Domine, you know. Uh, so yeah. now, so I'm sorry for everyone that's heard that was a horrible Buddhist uh, chant. Anyway, I think the year here is like 1555. Ah, okay. So it's it's cool to have a a, a new year and not have see people have like the 2000s glasses. There were no glasses, <laughs> but if there were New Year's glasses, it would have been. Uh, I love that that's the thing that annoys you about New Year's celebrations <laughs> in the States is the weird glasses. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. It, it, annoy hasn't been the word except for 2023. Because I think I saw like the, the wave of New Year's glasses they have for this year. They were really low effort. Like it was like <laughs> 20, zero, two, three. And like the eyes were in like, like part of the two part. And it was like, it just didn't look it didn't look right, you know. 2020 was a great year for New Year's glasses makers. But then after that, it just yeah. sure They should have stopped then. They should have been like, listen, this is this is going to be the best that it's ever going to be yeah. is 2020 and then ended it there. I actually saw some, somebody once say that every year I go into New Year's thinking, well, they can't turn this year into glasses. <laughs> and every year I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. Turns out the, uh, the path of least resistance will be have the New Year's glasses, but you find out which culture has the easiest year to make glasses out of so next year it'll be like 1556 and that's what they'll sell in the states and they'll be like okay you're cultured now not that it's just impractical to have 2024 well enough of that yeah no i think that uh that can be the uh whole thing well, so uh, was, you can find us on Legal Talk Network. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the wrong sound effect for the end. Uh, so, yeah, that's the end of small talk. We can now talk about uh, big talk. Uh, what is big what, talk? What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. That's all right. Would, this has gone steadily off the rails. Wait, no, what's our, I think it's exactly where it's big, meant to be. I like it though. Instead of big talk, instead of small talk, uh, being like, bah, 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 big talk be like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I mean, I do have, I do have that. So we, we can, we can big absolutely talk. do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we, all right. I think the, the biggest of talk. Yes. Is, thank um, you. Pretty, pretty big ethics scandal going on again. I feel like that little intro, something I've said multiple times over the course of this mm. podcast and last six months in particular. But Wait, uh, the, la- the landlord issue? No. <laughs> uh, well, yes, actually. But hey, hold on. Let's, <laughs> let's stop and just assure people that you are not stuck in a time warp. This was, in fact, the top story we talked about last week. Yes. And we're just going to talk about it. There's again. more. Because there's more. There's more. Clarence Thomas still has ethics issues. Mm-hmm. What's the latest uh, on the Thomas scandal, Chris? The other law that he, I mean, it's still like a not reporting flavored. So this one is yeah. more details about the, the the generous and totally not influencing gifts of <laughs> Mr. Harlan Crow. Is it is it Harlan or Batman? I forget. It's just some rich dude. And yeah. so it turns out that he, Harlan Crow, bought Justice Thomas's mom's house. His mom still lives in the house. The house and like the plot sold around had about a market value of say like let's say forty five thousand. 
Crow bought it all together, like about 140, 150. So shouts out to Thomas being a landlord, a, a land flipper. But yeah, yeah. so his so his best friend is negotiator. Yeah. Clarence Thomas. Yeah. So his best so one of the defense about the um the bribe and uh, not bribery that's been happening over the last twenty years, he was just like, Oh, this is just, you know, two bros with money taking care of each other. And they're just really close. And you can tell they're really close because his friend is his mom's landlord since he owns the property. And by the way, the additions that he made to the property were about this is again Crow or about the value of the house and the land itself. So, you know, keeping the money in the family and not on the rec- yeah, and, record. Yeah, and exactly. I think the lack of disclosure is one of the most disturbing elements of this story is that, you know, disclosure for thee and not for me is, is the kind of way that Clarence Thomas has gone about all of these deals. There, there are rules requiring, uh, there are laws requiring disclosure of this stuff. Uh, there is no real repercussion to not following these things, as it turns out. Uh, Clarence Thomas has now said that he will revise past disclosures to include all this, but he, he got caught. But he personally felt like the issue was that he took a loss on these deals and therefore didn't think he had to disclose them. This, uh, this of course, makes no sense if you were getting. If you got involved in a land deal with somebody that you thought you were going to make money on and then you didn't, that doesn't mean that you weren't influenced and having having an influence when it comes to court decisions that may impact that deal, right? You had a financial stake. The fact that it didn't work out is irrelevant. And obviously, that's why the rule doesn't have a line in it that says profitable or loss. You have to disclose it. I mean, that that to me is absolutely one of the most damning aspects of this of this whole revelation is that he's really bad at statutory interpretation. Let, you know, I think somebody I think it was Professor Lippman. I'm not sure. But somebody this morning uh, made the point that last term, Clarence Thomas said that if your court appointed lawyer misreads a statute you are responsible mm-hmm. and cannot appeal that however yeah, clarence thomas cannot read what happened in this statute and says oh yeah Tr- sorry my bad. emoji is the only answer oh i guess i'll redo it no no consequences those are completely off the table in any realistic way because the only way to have consequences involves a detailed political process that there's not 67 votes for let alone control of the house which would have to happen first before there's any sort of mm-hmm. you know actual consequences here and he can't read statutes by his own admission either he willfully knew what it said and decided not to disclose it which you know is probably the actual answer that's what i'm thinking right here or he's very very bad at his job yeah like like so bad at his job that that it's in and of itself is disqualifying yeah it's interesting i thought that propublica like put out that big report of all of these issues and then waited for it to become the biggest story ever, and then dropped this one. I, had, I, I was like, "Did they just find this one out, or were they were they holding back on this?" Which you know, either way, I'm impressed. <laughs> you know, obviously, I don't know. I don't have any context there, but I wonder if they were waiting anymore. For, yeah, yeah, any confirmation, or you know, once it started to gain traction, that perhaps folks were more willing to disclose and confirm details. Always, always a possibility. That's true. Like <sighs> there is there is a journalistic my, my, reason that this makes sense. <laughs> What I hope the takeaway from this is, is that the people, the, the they go low, we go high people will finally shut up because this is a clear <laughs> example of like, for a very long time, Thomas and friends have been the, you know, rule of law. We have to 
you know, do things by the book, people, right? Here's what's, here's what's just, here's the moral authority. People say, oh, if we aren't holding ourselves accountable, when they do things, we'll give them excuses to be different. We now know they'll just say, oh, oops, my bad. Check with my friends. Yeah. What do you do? So I, I think we need to stop playing the uh, accountability game. That's all I was yeah, it is weird. And and well, well I'd also like to take it to a, a little bit bigger uh, of an issue when that line about that, you know, he, he viewed it as an individual's fault that their lawyer screwed up uh, mm-hmm. when he writes an opinion. There's something to be said for this speaks to the nature the the problematic nature of textualism as a concept, too. Obviously, sure. he's an originalist, but these are intertwined theories that some people draw from both but to these statutes if he can be confused by the statute which i don't think he is i agree with you that it is, he's probably being a bad faith actor but let's give him the benefit of the doubt the benefit of the doubt is he was confused by the wording of a statute well that's a pretty good reason not to hold people to the letter yep. of these statutes all the time right and he's if, in an infinitely better place to understand the statute right as someone who's been educated in the law specifically right. and has literally been one of the nine authorities on the law for you know 30, 30 years, years or so 30 years yeah. and so th- there's there is a philosophical moment here that if you take him at his word it it kind of gives the lie to the whole mm-hmm. uh intellectual underpinnings of textualism anyway Calidus ai cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right, so uh, the other topic we have is uh, one of our least favorite, but still a good sound effect. Layoffs? Don't talk about layoffs. You kidding me? Layoffs? So we have more layoff news. Yeah, uh, Sherman and Sterling have laid off some staff members, which, you know, earlier in the year, they had done a round of staff and associate layoffs. uh, And, you know, which is the latest of a series of bad news, financial news for the firm. There's been lots of chatter about what the end result will be at the firm, if there will be more layoffs, still unclear at this point. But we've also have information about 
firms delaying start dates mm-hmm. for uh, associates. Cooley is doing that now. We already knew that Gunderson was doing that, which means that, you know, these folks that are currently in law school who are set to graduate next month, they, they already have, for the most part, their jobs lined up, right? They know which big law firms they're going to go to. Uh, and one of those firms, Cooley, has said, you were supposed to start in the fall. Mm, you're actually going to wait until January of 2024. Right, which, you know, it's not like your student loan payments start immediately after. But right, you get they, six months, so but, this pushes that past that yeah, mark. It definitely, it, yeah, and, and even if it didn't push it all the way past that mark, it you know, it takes away a few months that you could be collecting some cash to get you mm-hmm. through. So it has bigger repercussions than just, you know, your start date has been pushed. Uh, because especially if you have gone to a law school that allows you to work at a firm like that, your bills are fairly significant. I mean, uh, the other thing coming. is you probably had options Right. You know, someone who went to a firm like Cooley probably had other options as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so getting sort of cut off at the knees like this is a real problem for for folks. And we're seeing these repercussions or reverberations throughout the industry, even firms that are much more. So, you know, Cooley and Gunderson are both West Coast, very tech heavy kinds of firms where that's where we've seen the majority, not all, but the majority of these sort of austerity measures happening. But we're even seeing the implications for sort of East Coast firms. Millbank came out last week and sent an email to their incoming class saying, you may have heard lots of rumors about start dates and pushing them off. And you might be worried given the state of the market generally, but don't. (laughs) Your job is very safe. Rest assured, we have not changed our start date. You're still expected on September 18th. Yeah, and I do think I, I, that was an interesting move. And I thought it, it, with that, I thought of some of these firms that will we were hearing gloom and doom from some corners, mm-hmm. and then we were seeing the people who were giving interviews to American Lawyer talking about how how they actually did really well last year. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, have very much been reading those as kind of re- the negative space there that I've been reading those saying that they're those particular firms are trying to make clear things may be bad out there, but we're, we're, we want to get ahead of the fact that we are not those places. Mm-hmm. And so be very, very focused on who's not having those interviews published in sure. a lot of ways. Uh, and this kind of goes with that. I think that there's an, a, a sense, a mood that there's economic problems, uh, deal slowdowns and so on. That said, I think there are several firms that that is not impacting and they are trying and doing whatever they can to make clear that folks know that. And I think this mm-hmm. Millbank email is an example of that. Some of these American lawyer interviews are examples of that. And it's not, I mean, American lawyer interviews everybody for their financials, but the ones that are turning them Going into out of articles saying, hey, and promoting them. We're and, yeah. aware and blah, blah. And, I, and I think you're right. But something that I appreciated about the Millbank move is that it's not directed to the industry at large, but rather the specific actors yeah. who you know, are are the most worried and the most anxious potentially because they're not yet really part of the industry. They probably don't remember if they ever had access to the American lawyer login from their firm. Well, right, right, right. You know, but these, and that kind of direct communication, I think speaks to, you know, reaching out to folks who are potentially anxious and make sure. And I think this kind of goes to those little things that help to build a culture. You feel much more reassured when you're at a firm that goes out of the way and saying, you might be feeling a certain way. 
here's the information you actually need to know. Right, right. I think that I think that's true. It, but I still think that I, barring the Federal Reserve screwing us even worse, which, uh, I, seems which they <laughs> seem hell bent on doing. Uh, no, no matter how good things look, they seem like they're going to destroy it. But barring that, I do think that deal momentum is going to pick up in the second half of the year in some of these firms that are hemorrhaging associates because they have suffered the first, you know, for the last two or three quarters are going to see that as a problem. Uh, and the people who have held the line are mm -hmm. going to come out on top. That said, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Q3 and four should be returning to normal, but I don't know. We will see. Yeah. All right, so we had a preview of the U.S. news rankings last week that just showed us the top 14 law schools, a completely arbitrary cutoff, but they it's the cutoff they've used forever. So mm -hmm. we got that. Uh, there were some interesting things. Uh, bunches, there were basically 8 million ties, and uh, UCLA got ahead of Georgetown. That said, they were supposed to release the full list tomorrow uh, as we're recording this right. and uh, April 18th I believe it is or was midnight right right, <laughs> right. and with that said it's, and that is not going to happen now mm -hmm. yeah they pushed it back for at least a week until um, April 25th I think is the date that they're currently touting and it's not particularly clear why yeah <laughs> I think they're uh, having bets they're on how many times they could tie three schools in a row <laughs> it still be a numbered list rather than just vibes. Yeah, it did feel like the the top fourteen was really here's four rankings that we're dividing these fourteen between. Uh, but yeah, well, there's some speculation that they there might be some ABA bar or passage data that was misapplied. Uh, but the other argument is that a lot of what I think is happening is they. U.S. News had to come up with a new methodology this year because a bunch of these schools threw a hissy fit over how the system ranks. And look, we do not defend the U.S. News rankings. We have our own law school ranking that we think is actually a little bit better. A little bit. But, Let's not know, get modest. Yeah, fair. Uh, but U.S. News does what it does. And that's, you know, they whether you like it or not, they are, they're they're doing their best to be an objective measure. Uh, and a bunch of law schools decided they were going to bolt on this and boycott giving certain bits of data to U.S. News. U.S. News, therefore, had to come up with a whole new way of doing this. And now these schools, I think, are irritated that it didn't work out as well for them. And it's like, well, the well, consequences of your own actions. Well, yes and no, right? Again, it could very easily be math. That is the problem. We, we don't actually know. Uh, but the other part of this is that historically, U.S. News has absolutely changed their methodology in response to pressure from law schools. They dropped the diversity rankings a few years ago once they embargoed, you know, once they did their preview and that changed some stuff. So this is a method that has worked in the past. And so, you know, from a law school's perspective, if there's data that you don't think is correctly applied or given too much weight. I don't, I mean, whether it's their own consequences or not, it seems like something they have a responsibility to their kind of constituents to pursue. Well, I mean, and that brings us to the 
unfortunate question, which is why does the U.S. News have constituents? You know, they sure they sure. they this should be their constituents. If anyone should be the students, but who are the prospective, prospective students, students at least? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think you're right, but it is also worth noting that this has happened before. You know, there have been times where law school pressure has had a direct impact on U.S. News's methodology. So uh, in that sense, it's not particularly surprising, but I think given the the change, the tumult <laughs> regarding the regarding the rankings um, makes it much more of a, a bigger story. Yeah, I just feel like this boycott was so ill-conceived from jump. And now all of a sudden, and maybe it has nothing to do with it, but, it, but frankly, the appearance that has anything to do with it makes it just as bad. Like it mm-hmm. caused a, but it hurt those, though it theoretically could just hurt those schools by not giving over their data. Instead, what happened is U.S. News just tried to come up with some new way of doing it to get around all that now people are angry about that it's like every bit of the every stage of this has been the fault of the boycotting people and you know here we are again u.s news's statement also says that and i think because they didn't get the data directly from the law schools Mm -hmm. there's a lot more inquiries from the law schools who received sort of the draft rankings already about what data they actually used and know that's wrong because and you know which again you know participation in the process (laughs) Yeah. solve right uh well yeah if people weren't boycotting they wouldn't be making these mm-hmm. you know shadowy guesses as to what's going on like it i don't, I don't know it it was so dumb and <laughs> been dumb from the from the jump and here we are now with the mistakes that uh that yale has wrought once again has anyone done a <laughs> chat gpt law school rankings He's just just asked GPT to rank people. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in in a weird way, the whole ranking debacle has just proven that Yale is by far their most dominant law school in the country. Right? With yeah. What they do, other everyone feels they need to, or a large percentage feel the need to follow. Yeah, um, maybe that was the real that that was the real ranking trick. The real <laughs> ranking trick was what if we do something incredibly stupid and see if everyone Can you follows follow us. Me? <laughs> And if they do, and listen, there's there was very little chance of repercussion on Yale specifically. Sure, right? Like they're still tied for one. Yeah, they're not getting out of that spot. So you know, they just prove that other people. Well, well, well. Well, the fact that it's a tie a loss, I don't think so. There have been ties. Yeah, I don't think that they perceive that as a loss. Yeah. Uh, they still get to put the number one law school on all their promotional materials, according to U.S. News, and I think that that is, you know, that's the benefit. You know, they just said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we all jumped off this cliff, watched a bunch of people do it, and stood at the top of the cliff still? Yeah. That does sound like Yale behavior. I'm going to keep it a buck. <laughs> it's that old, uh, that video game Lemmings. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which, do you know that that all was completely made up in a Walt Disney uh, screw up? Have you ever heard this story? No, no I, I don't know this story. So the whole idea that Lemmings jump off cliffs and all is from some like, they don't at all. It's from some world, uh, some Dis- Walt Disney, Walt Disney nature documentary that they did like back in the fifties and sixties. They would do those nature documentaries, mm-hmm. and they incorrectly saw this ha- this event happen and described it as this is a thing lemmings do, and it became part of the cultural zeitgeist, despite not at all being true, as it turns out. So, who does jump off cliffs? What, there was what? video of something jumping off cliffs. Yeah, I mean, I, well, well, it was, it was. It was not because that's a thing that they do, which makes sense, right? Because it would not sure. really be an adaptive species 
It does seem it it does seem like that's a real problem. That would that would not really bode well for their continued survival. Speaking of, yeah. if you'd like to jump off the ATL cliff and keep following us, I don't know. I'm going for it. Oh, you're you're going to try to transition us out? Was that what you were trying to do? Okay, a- interesting. That was uh, the Gong Show for that attempt. Just not not smooth enough. You you've got to you got to work on your segues. Anyway, uh, <laughs> with that said, we will, however, say that uh, thanks for listening. You should listen to the show uh, every week, and you can be helped by doing that by subscribing to it, so you get the new episodes when they come out. You should give a rating and review to it. That all helps more people find the show. You should be following. Other shows. Catherine's the host of the Jabot. Mm-hmm. I'm on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. There are many other shows that we aren't on on the Legal Talk Network that you can also check out. You should be reading Above the Law so you can read these and other stories before we chat about them here. Follow on social media. The, the Twitters has us at ATL Blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. And Chris is at Rights for Rent, the W rights, not the R rights. And with all of that, I think we're done. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, Join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.